This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Um, today, I want to talk to John Schwabisch, and he is um, a senior fellow at the Urban Institute, author of Elevate the Debate. Um, basically, he's talking about how do you uh, get your research in front of more people. And we know it takes a lot of time to create content or research or anything, um, and then nobody reads it, right? So I'm excited to talk to John. John, how's it going? Good, Christoph. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. So uh, really briefly, tell us about the book. What, what is it addressing? What's the, the, the problem you're seeing? Yeah, so as you mentioned, I'm a senior fellow at the Urban Institute, which is a, a nonprofit research institution here in Washington, D.C., uh, I am an economist by training, and the Urban Institute is a little over 500 people. Uh, we have a number of different centers, uh, people working on a variety of different policy areas from justice policy to health policy to housing policy, um, and we have a fairly large communication staff, but we, what we have found is that it is not very easy to get this social and public policy research in front of the people that we want it to get in front of. Um, and so uh, together with my colleagues at the, in the communications department, we sat down and wrote this book, uh, trying to put all of the lessons that we have learned over the past, I mean, 50 years or so, Urban's been around for 50 years, but really over the last five or six years as our communication efforts have really accelerated and try to help people who are communicating research, who are working with any kind of data, um, who are doing any kind of analysis and help them do a better job of communicating that information to a broader audience, not just a broader audience, but also a more targeted audience. Because what we have found is that a lot of people, especially researchers, want to get their work in front of policymakers. Um, but that word policymakers is sort of a generic term. And what we uh, encourage uh, folks to do when we work with them is to take a more strategic, nuanced, specific view of what they mean by policymaker. So is part of the problem, and I know some of you guys will, will probably be sick and tired of hearing this story, but when, <laughs> I, when I grew up in journalism, right, print journalism, mm. I write an article and people would say to me, how many people read that article? And I would say 83,000. <laughs> that's, that's the circulation, right? Prove me right. wrong. I dare you. Um, and today, you know, I just like even uh, in a couple months ago, yeah, I published my third book. Mm. And I, I joke, right, that, that um, the, it, the writing is the easy part. <laughs> I didn't yeah. feel like it. Right. Um, but now getting it in front of people is the hard part. I mean, so really what you're doing is you're taking that concept to an extent and you're applying it to to people who want to get their research in front of people. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So I spent about a decade working for the Congressional Budget Office, uh, also here in D.C. You know, with a, in an organization like that, in some ways, it's easier to communicate your work because you are trying to get your information in front of a single group of people, right? You're trying to mm -hmm. get your information to members of Congress. You're trying to get it to their staffs, to people who can affect, you know, directly affect policy who are enacting legislation. 
at a place like the Urban Institute and also, you know, lots of different places, you know, uh, uh, organizations, marketing organizations, other nonprofits, um, you know, anyone who's conducting data analysis, who's trying to get information out there and affect change or enact policy or even sell products, right? We have a different challenge on our hands because we're trying to reach a broader swath of the population. And the way we approach that here and, and lots of other places, of course, do as well, um, is that we think very carefully about these different audiences. So when we think about communicating, say, to another researcher, to an academic researcher, for example, you know, that researcher probably wants a you know 30 page PDF report with all the, you know, all the details and methodology and the math. But, you know, some audiences, they want an 800-word blog post, right? The, the, the journalists mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and the people who are used to reading that sort of uh, treatment on, on these issues, you know, they want an 800-word blog post. The practitioners, they may want, you know, a one- or two-page fact sheet that shows, you know, where they're being successful in, you know, opening their, their food pantries or where they are helping people get, get to and from different uh, state or, you know, city counseling offices. Um, and some audiences, they want a, a, an interactive data visualization that they can play around with. And some people want more of a, an immersive narrative story. And some people just want data. So we have to build data tools. So the one thing we have learned is trying to identify these specific audiences and cater each of our projects to those audiences, because that's the way you really engage people. And then we kind of, you know, in some ways, kind of hope that it spreads. I mean, I think your example is, is right on. You give people a newspaper and people tend to read the newspaper, um, maybe not as much as in the past, you know, cover to cover, but certainly, you know, the newspaper reading is that short, quick uh, dip into the pool of, 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 you know, details and nuance and subtlety. And so what we try to do is, is think about these different audiences. And, and there are some people who want the full treatment. Um, but there are other people who, you know, they just want to know, you know, what are the five things about, you know, child nutrition policy or what are the 10 things about, you know, healthcare policy in this country that I need to learn about? I, it, it's just so hard to, to figure it's, that out. Yeah, it's very hard. I, yeah. I'll, give you an, <laughs> yeah. I'll give you an example. Uh, I mean, I, I love the Office Ladies podcast. I don't know if you listen to it, yeah. but the Office yeah. is still distributing new content, which is just crazy, right? Years after it right. went off the air. And I, I love it. And the other thing I also love is to be very efficient with my time. So now what I started to do is I listen to them at a faster speed, right? Which mm -hmm. is interesting. Uh, like 1.2 or 1.5, not 2. They're, like I do still want to have the personality in there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which I think you lose at 2. Um, but how do you determine who wants what and what's the best, uh, the, the, the best way to get that in front Yeah, of I mean, that's obviously the biggest challenge because you have to figure out, you know, what do people want? So, you know, what we do mm -hmm. is we don't, we try to talk to people, which I think is, is not something that a lot of researchers that I work with are accustomed to doing, right? We actually try to talk to people. You know, we talk to people um, in, you know, city council offices. We talk to people at the Department of Transportation. We, you know, we try to say, what is it that you need from this line of research where we can help you do a better job? And I think, you know, from a researcher perspective, that's, that's 
you know, a bit foreign. I think from a lot of, from a lot of other people's perspectives, you know, marketers, for example, they probably do a lot of this where they actually um, go out and talk to people. But, but I think people who work with data are not accustomed to actually going out and asking people, you know, how can we help you do your job better? And so we actually do spend a lot of time trying to talk to people. And the other thing, you know, there's, I, I'd say there's two other things that we try to convince from the communication standpoint, we try to convince our, our researchers of. First off, it's not about the raw number of hits or web views or page, or, you know, time on page that demonstrates success, right? It's not that we won't necessarily need the 83,000 clicks on this blog post or on this research report or, or whatever the product is. You know, maybe you just need the eight right people, right? Maybe it's just the eight members of some <clears throat> committee in the House of Representatives, and those are the people that you want to reach. So, you know, there's these metrics that we, that we think about. You know, maybe we need to sort of revise what we, what we think of when we think of success. So that's the first thing we, we talk to people about. And then the other thing we, we talk to people about, and this is what sort of roots the entire book, is this what we call a pyramid philosophy. So if you imagine a pyramid, at the very bottom of the pyramid are the technical research papers, working papers, have all the gory math and all the equations and all the appendix tables. Um, and then up from there, you might have, you know, uh, a, a shorter report or even a, an issue brief. You go up a little bit from there and you have an, uh, an op-ed in a newspaper. You go up from there and maybe you testify in front of Congress or you have a convening with other groups. And then you move up from there and you have interviews with, with the media. And then at the very top of this pyramid, you have uh, social media, right? You have that, that tweet. So what that pyramid allows us to do is to say to the researcher, look, we are going to pull together a social media strategy for this project. But all this is rooted all the way down into the sophisticated, in-depth research that you've spent six months doing. And so they, they get a little more comfortable with all these other communication devices because it's still coming all the way back to the, to the in-depth research. And then what we can do with that pyramid is we can flip it upside down and put it right next to this one and say, look, this is the size of the audience, right? You're, let's all be honest, right? There's not a lot of people reading these white papers and working papers, but we can reach hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands, or if we're lucky, hundreds of thousands or millions with that single tweet. And so it's, it's a little bit of a, of a complement of how we, as communications people, work with the research staff to say, look, it's not about dumbing this down. It's not about talking to a layperson. It's not about any of cheapening any of the research. It's about how do we get to the core of what you're getting at? And how do we get that in front of the people who can use it or who can act upon it? And as someone who's an economist by nature, you know, that's something that really speaks to me because it says, look, we're communicating the research itself. We're just doing so in different ways and through different channels and different platforms. I, I would think that over the, the simplification is a challenge. And the one example that comes to my mind is uh, so about a month ago here we had we're not talking about politics but a good example Iowa mm -hmm. caucuses I'm in Iowa you're in DC Iowa caucuses made right. some mistakes I don't think it doesn't look like there's any any problem with w the actual vote being correct um, or anything like that but they made some mistakes and you know one one of the ones that they admitted and I noticed was they rolled out an app and then people couldn't use the app right but now so that delayed mm -hmm. all the results. 
Um, and what was interesting about that, so of course, the way some uh, media are reporting it, some are like focusing on one thing, some are focusing on other things. And, and, but at the end of the day, the story is whatever they did, didn't work as expected, right? right? End of story. Like that is yep. a fact. And a lot of um, media talked about that and went deep and everything. And I grew up in Germany and I listened, I listened to a German uh, podcast every day, mm -hmm. right? The news from my hometown. And you know how they reported it? All they said was in the U.S. state of Iowa, they started the caucus. Uh, Donald Trump won Republican. Um, and the Democrats are tallying their results and they should be available later today. We'll let you know when. <laughs> <laughs> there is... There is nothing incorrect no, about right. that statement. In, in fact, I, I think it might be the truest example of simplifying yeah. things, right? They weren't going to get into an app didn't work. They weren't going to get into, oh, we thought we would have them by now. They just said, we'll mm -hmm. let you know when we have them. So, but then I've talked to, you know, maybe not research, researchers, but I've talked to doctors before or people like that. And I would simplify or I would ask a question and say, well, that takes a while to explain. So I hear that often mm -hmm. from experts. How do you get researchers to understand that it's okay to simplify things for certain audience to even just pull them in? Right. I mean, that is, that is a big challenge. And, and what, again, what we try to do, you know, the word simplify is a little tricky. You know, I, I like to use this uh, quote mm -hmm. from uh, Dan and Chip Heath. They have this book made to stick, um, which I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners know about. Um, they talk about getting to the core of the idea. And that's, a, that's the phrase that I like to use. But let's go back to this example of the Iowa caucuses I, because I think it's, it is a great example, right? So from this podcast in Germany, the statement is to, I would guess who many of their listeners are you know, in Germany or who are German, it's, mm -hmm. you know, we don't know the results in Iowa and we'll let you know when they come out. Now, if you were to say that same, have that same podcast from Iowa, or even from Washington, D.C., people would say, well, this is ridiculous, right? Because there's a different level of interest, especially, as I'm sure you're well aware, getting bombarded with all the phone calls and leaflets I'm sure you've had over the last several months. Um, but it's about thinking about these different audiences because U.S. voters, especially in Iowa over the last few months, are particularly interested in the results. From a German perspective, it's you know, I don't need to know about all the details. I just need to know who won and who lost. So it, so it works similarly when we talk about research, right? Um, one thing that we have found a lot is that, or early on, I should say, what we found a lot is that we have this dense, you know, really maybe even great interactive video or data visualization. And we put it out and think, well, it's so great. Everybody's going to come use it. And it turns out that's just not the way things work now, right? There's just so much content that we have to sort of get through to reach people that really what we need to think more about is catering each of these, each of these bits of pieces. So when we think about, think about simplification, it's not so much saying we are not going to show or give people the ability to get to all the detailed results, but we're not going to give it to them you're not going to give it to everybody all the time. We're just going to give them the ability to get to it. And I think that's one of the things that helps people who work with data and who conduct research is to say, look, think about 
your daily commute, right? You're, you're reading the news on your phone as you take the train into work. You don't need all the details for everything that you read. Some of the things you just want to know the top line findings or the top line story. And so that's the way it really is for, for a lot of people that we're communicating with. They just want to know what is the number? What is the fact? What is the statistic? But they don't need all the gory details. And, and only some people are going to, right? It's the difference between the people in Iowa versus the people in Germany. Absolutely. Very interesting. Um, the other thing you mentioned is uh, the numbers game. So if you're reaching eight people, but they're the right people, right? right? I mean, that's, that's a win. And the, the, my, still my favorite example in the world is when Ben Smith was on the show and he basically launched Old Time Central. And you probably, you tell me if this is a topic you even are interested in. I'm not at all personally, um, but I okay. love what he's doing. So what they're, what they're doing is it's basically a community for people who play mm -hmm. like the fiddle, right? And other folk instruments. I can't tell you all the different names. But um, so I asked him, so he built this from the ground up and he's really done a nice job building his community. And I said to him, Ben, how big is that community globally? Like, what's your best guess? How many people actually <laughs> right. care about that? And, and, and he says, my best guess is 50,000. Right. And I'm like, so, so bottom line is, so if you have, so, so that's an area where you don't need, right, 2 million readers. Now, you probably need, let's say, 150, mm -hmm. right, if you have 150,000, because there's some bleed over, right, people who might care a little bit, or their husband or their wife, they're playing, and they might need mm -hmm. something. Um, so you probably need a bigger number. But that's a good point to, to remind people, because not everybody has to have the million uh, view right. YouTube video. Um, and, but how do people respond when, when they say, when you, when you, when you explain that? Well, I think it, it, it often depends on the researcher or the individual and how mm -hmm. much effort they want to put into the communication side of things. So they've spent several months on a project and, you know, it varies, you know, some people are just, you know, I have this deliverable, I need to get this report, this 200 page report, and that's all I want to do. And some people really want to go all the way in. And I think what we have found is that, what helps in this case is to set expectations at the very beginning of the project. So we have an internal process here where researchers, if they win a grant or they have a project, they have to fill out a, a form for the communication staff that says, this is what I want to do with this project. I got this, you know, I have this project and, and this is what I want to do. And we ask them, who are you targeting and, and what is the goal of your project? You know, what do you want to do? And if you set those expectations at the front, they say, you know, this is a project about, I don't know, let's just say um, food pantries in North Carolina. Okay, that's what the project's about. Okay, so, so who do you want to target? Who is your target audience? Well, the target audience is, you know, members of the state legislature in North Carolina. So if we set that expectation up front that that's who we're targeting, then as we get towards the end of the project, and for a lot of projects, there's, you know, there's scope creep and, you know, people get excited about, ooh, this is really exciting. This could apply to other states. You know, everybody's going to be interested in this. And you say, well, let's, let's just, let's calm down a moment. Let's go back to where we started. You know, the goal of this project was to bring these policy parameters to members of the state legislature in North Carolina. And so how can we get that to them? And so a lot of it is really about setting expectations and helping people recognize that reaching, quote unquote, everybody uh, really rarely works, right? It's, it's rare from, 
you know, from where I sit in a nonprofit research institution, that we are going to have some mm -hmm. content that goes viral, right? And that's just not something that's really we expect to happen here. But viral within our little world of, you know, policymakers and practitioners uh, and people on the ground, you know, that's really what we're aiming for. Um, it, it, again, it doesn't really matter if we hit 100,000 people, if we're really just trying to hit, you know, get information in front of the 10 people on the North Carolina state legislature. And that's that targeting is and that strategic tar targeting, I should say, that's the part that's really important. So uh, there's really a couple. So it drives me crazy when companies come to me and they say, we want we need everything right. to go viral. And I said, good well, luck good, with that. Good right. luck. Hire, some, <laughs> hire somebody else. Um, don't, you know, I'll send you a plan and then somebody can <laughs> implement it. Um, but so when you talk, so you have obviously the distribution yep. of content, right? Content assets, whether it's infographics, like the stuff, I don't want to call it the passive distribution, but once it's done, you can put it on autopilot mm -hmm. and it distributes. Um, and then you have like the active distribution. So even what you and I are doing, Right. We are doing we're talking about the topic. You have to participate right now as we're recording, because otherwise we don't have mm -hmm. a conversation um, as a journalist. When I grew up um, and I guess to an extent, I still practice a form of journalism. When I invite people on, like I expect them to be available. Right. Like I, I expect them to make it simple, easy on me and I try to make it right. easy on them. How. But then I also run into that's really more on the client side. People the media calls and says, can you come on the show? They don't respond yeah. or they respond two days right. later, or they like, they have to be on the journalist schedule, not because if they don't, then they just yep. move on. Right. I mean, uh, so how do you like, how do you talk to researchers about that and what kind of training goes into uh, that, that? That's a great question. So we have a, a media team here that does, uh, does internal trainings, but we also have in this, in this book that we've been talking about, there is a chapter on how researchers uh, talk to members of the of the media, and I think everything I'm going to say, I'm sure, rings true with you as as a journalist, right? So, um, the one thing I think a lot of researchers feel is that reporters are out there to somehow burn them or catch them, you know, and, and sort of trick them. And the one thing that a lot of researchers I think need to understand is that members of the media they are coming to you as a researcher because you are the expert and they are just seeking information. Um, they just want to know, you know, why is this thing going up or is this thing going down? You know, why are people behaving this way? Why is the economy doing this? They just want to know that information so they can provide that um, in a distilled way to their, to their audience. So we have this chapter in the book on talking to reporters. And I will say, I'll say this, I, I went through, the media training here that that um, the gentleman who wrote the chapter in the, in the book, uh, Stu Cantor, who uh, is one of our media experts, he ran a training. And, and here's the thing that that always stuck with me is that there's always at the end of any any interview, there's always the reporter, you know, usually, you know, 99 times out of 100 will say, is there anything else you'd like to add or is there any, you know, anything, anything else? And the answer to that question is always yes. Because that gives you the opportunity as the people person being interviewed to say, you know, I, I you know I said this earlier, but this is how I would rephrase it. Or you just, you know, kind of get back to that to that core thesis and that core idea. And that gives you an opportunity to maybe restate it in a, in a better, more concise way. And the other thing that we tell people, and this comes through in the book 
in, in, and in practice, obviously, with lots of things when it comes to presentation skills, when it comes to social media, is just to practice. And it may mm-hmm. sound uh, weird talking to yourself in your office, but at the end of the day, it's really going to help you sound better on podcast or on the radio interview or even when you're quoted in the newspaper and it's also going to make you feel more comfortable and i'm sure you christoph is talking to lots of people as a journalist have had this experience of people as you mentioned don't respect your time i'm sure you've talked to people who aren't prepared and and don't really know how to answer some of these questions and i would guess um, that both you and the person you're interviewing would both be better off if that person would take a little bit of time to practice and prepare before they actually sat down on the phone with you. I, I think sometimes it's just, it's uh, people think they have to be yeah. perfect and they, and they don't. Right. right? And uh, like, just talk. I mean, I even had people on the show before they, they actually said something wrong and we didn't even cut it. We just, we just said, is that really correct? 5,000 parking spots. Oh no, maybe not. That's the whole city right. or something, you know, like you just go, like it makes you sound. Human. Yeah. Now the one thing that, that final question which we don't have on podcasts usually, but in interviews, I, I do them all the time. Is there anything mm-hmm. else? Um, the one thing you have to remember that it, when I was a true B to C journalist, right? Um, sometimes people would talk themselves into trouble, mm-hmm. right? Because you're, you're walking out together and you say, what else? Anything else? And now they're all, uh, loose, yeah. and all of a sudden they're just right. flabbing. So, so the thing to remember is journal, most journalists are not out to get you but if you said yes. it, well, that's right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, so this is, it's funny that you say that because there is like a paragraph in this chapter where he says, you know, you're never off the record. And it's the exact thing you mentioned, you know, you're cleaning up at the, the interview is kind of technically over. You're packing up your bag and the reporter sort of offhand says, you know, what do you think of Senator so-and-so or Congressman so-and-so? Mm-hmm. And, you know, some right. offhand remark, can't, that's how you get into trouble. Um, but that, that's so funny that you, that you mentioned that because it's the exact same scenario that's, that's, that's brought up. But, yeah, it is, it is true that you're, you know, with the reporter, you're always on. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's one of those things that you have to get better at and you have to practice. And, and the more you do it, the better you are at it. And, and the more accustomed you are to saying, how do I distill this? 200 page report that I've spent nine months working on, how do I distill it down to one or two sentences? Because if I do that and Christoph writes it uh, up in the newspaper, it reaches 83,000 people. Right. And so that's, that's where the payoff is um, where you can start to broaden the reach of the research, because we know not a lot of people are reading that 200 page report, but everybody, you know, is reading that newspaper, you know, people are reading that newspaper article and get the the basic story that that you know we we often want to share with people. And the the other thing to keep in mind is you don't have to repeat what the reporters say. And and this is I can still share the story. We laughed about it. We still have a good relationship. Still, I still know law enforcement officers that I work with today. You know, a decade later or fifteen years later. And there was a story of that one time, and I said to this state patrol lieutenant, "But aren't state troopers?" just traffic cops. <laughs> and he said, state troopers are not right. just traffic cops. And I, you know, I, I didn't mean right. to trick him. Right. Right. But I just said, this is what I'm, I don't know what the story was even honestly, but, but so I quoted him and he says, you know, I, from Des Moines, they came to me and they said, why would you even say that? 
And he said, I really just repeated what he said. And I'm like, and I did. But it's still not my fault as the journalist because you still said it. Now, you know, how else could I have asked the question? I don't know. And quite frankly, it's not my job to get you to say it how you want to say it. That's your job. Um, So something to keep in mind. Maybe as the the wrap-up question here. So the book is called Elevate the Debate. Yes. Why? Uh, Elevate the Debate. What? So Talk about what that. we try to do here at the Urban Institute and, and obviously lots of other places are, are doing the similar things. But what we are trying to do here is take the debate around social and public policy issues and take a sophisticated, in-depth, data-driven uh, approach to those issues. So our analysis is rooted in fact, it's rooted in data, and it's rooted in objective research analysis. So we are not an advocacy organization. We are not a lobbyist. We are taking a research-driven approach. And so, especially today, um, where we seem to have this war on facts and this war on science and a war on research, we are trying to take the debate about these issues and elevate it above some of this more uh, partisan rancor, uh, above a lot of, you know, the fake news and, and the misinformation and trying to root it in data and root it in analysis. And, you know, and of course, I and I'm sure all of my colleagues here are hopeful that by continuing to uh, communicate information in a fact and research driven way, that we can come back to a place where we can have policy debates and policy discussion that is rooted in fact and is rooted in objective analysis. And I think that is a way that we end up creating better policy. And that is the way we end up, you know, improving people's lives and looking forward to, to a better future. So does everything have to focus around a debate though? I mean, there's also value in me just consuming the content, right? Right. Absolutely. But I, and, and I think, a lot of the things that we talk about here, you know, is probably not something that we'd want to, you know, that we would debate, right? Some things are, you know, I think we can all agree that we want everybody to have better health and we want everybody to live better lives. We want everybody to be safer and drink, you know, clean water and breathe clean air. I think those are things that are obviously we're not debating. The question, of course, is how do we achieve those goals and we can debate how to do that from a policy perspective. Um, and, and some of that is, is, pure, is political. Some of that is conceptual or philosophical. And so how do we go about having those, those discussions and those debates? Those are the things that we are uh, trying to lend information and a research base to. Um, and that's why we have this book, because we're not just about you know, uh, creating information and research and data that sits behind closed doors. We want to be able to communicate it. We want to be able to get it in the hands of people who can use it, um, which could be the end person at the end of the road who can help enact policy or improve the way that their organization works when they serve their, their, their consumers or their, or their, um, or their customers. Um, But it could also be to help other researchers uh, do better work with, with, with their questions and the hypotheses that they're testing. So maybe we need to, for example, provide them with the data that we've come to clean and explore and, and create. And, and that's another way that we can help uh, elevate the discussion is by providing information to others as well. And of course, you know, uh, Michael Brenner's new book, he was on oh, the yeah. show here last month. 
um, mean people suck yep. comes to my mind. And I, I, I ask him, Michael, why do you even need to write this book? And he says, well, because, you know, people can't implement things because they have mean bosses and the time of smart jerks that are rude. Yeah, smart right. jerks, right? Needs to be over. And I said to him, how many people actually disagree with that statement? And he goes, well, would mean people suck? I'm like, yeah, who disagrees with that? I don't disagree right. with that. And nobody disagrees with that, right? Not even the people who are mean themselves. And uh, But at the end of the day, you still have to implement it. So um, there has to be some kind That's of action. Right. Um, John, John, where can people find you, find the book, where are the websites, LinkedIn, yeah, whatever Yeah, absolutely. Share. So they can find me on Twitter. Um, it's uh, My handle is Jay Schwabish, so it's J and then my last name. Um, they can also find the Urban Institute on Twitter. It's at Urban Institute. Um, and we also have a, a book uh, a website web page set up for the book. Um, it's urban.org slash elevate the debate book, which is just, you know, the title of the book with the name book. And of course you can buy it on Amazon uh, or your favorite uh, bookseller. Um, so we are, uh, we are getting it out there. It's, it's just basically hot off the presses and uh, we're, we're starting to get it out there and we're excited for people to read it and to use it. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us today, John. Thanks everyone for listening until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.